Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. So Celine, what are we going to talk about today? NLP and RJ Dubs doing NLP, is that? Yeah, I think that's it. Um and now would you like to de-jargon it begin? De-jargon it. Well, there's going to be plenty of jargon, so but, jargon alert. Um, yeah, but I've only, but will... all I've said is, I've done a bunch of acronyms. I've just done, yeah. I just said NLP and J-dubs. <laughs> right, okay. So this, um, I suppose actually, technically, this is this episode is going to be one big tweet of the week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. of the week tweet 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 of the week Um, Okay, so yes, this episode is really a a big tweet of the week because uh, Technical Ben on Twitter added me during a chat they were having about this subject around Jehovah's Witnesses, literature, whether they're using kind of NLP or sorts of hidden messages and things like that in their literature, which is causing people to think things, do things that are not in their own interests, I guess. So let me just give you the kind of background as far as I it's know it. The context. The context. So the first I uh, knew about it was because Technical Ben had mentioned me and he was saying uh, it would be great to have an academic study on this. So it's I then water. went back to see what it was all about and then came across Kimberly Miller's post, uh, which was referencing another post so kimberly of course is uh, a former guest Um, absolutely but she's a former guest um and uh, author read a book her book's fantastic um to go beneath the water definitely worth reading uh but anyway this is her tweet she says does jw literature contain neuro-linguistic programming and hidden commands does it create psychological disorders interesting questions and a revealing article and she at Becky Armstrong Corbett again another former guest on the podcast um, and thank you let's be Pimo for the post uh, let's be Pimo I never realized what that says when you read it let's be Pimo so that's kind of cool um, I don't know who let's be Pimo is um, but they are obviously the person that's kind of alerted the community to this article or this whatever it is so uh, looking at the actual quote 
Um, it comes from a website called Forum 18. And Forum 18 are a, I suppose, a kind of advocacy group. So Forum 18 relates to the Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And that declaration says that people should have the right to believe, to worship and witness, the right to change one's belief of, or religion, and the right to join together and express one's belief. So clearly freedom of religious belief is really important. Um, and I suggest that that also is freedom to not believe freedom. So that's not in that declaration, but I do believe that is part also of um, the same sentiment. You should also have the right not to believe. Um, anyway, so this is a group that takes that declaration and I suppose advocates for often religions that are being persecuted or are being attacked legally and so on and so on. So that's kind of where they're coming from. And the article is talking a case, about a case in a place called Nur Sultan. Um, and the heading is Jehovah's Witnesses or Jehovah's Witness Literature Cause of Social Maladjustment and Neurotization of Personality. Um, and like um, mental health issues. I guess so. I don't really know what neurotization of personality means. Mm. And this is taken from a report that was put together um, following a Jehovah's Witness who had sought psychiatric help for what she claimed to be effects of having been a member of the Jehovah's Witnesses community in Nur Sultan. Psychiatrists also examined her teenage son. Um, on 14th of May 2021, the woman's lawyer, Igor Chai, I think you pronounce it, um, asked for an assessment of nine books and 18 journals published by Jehovah's Witnesses on the subject of their influence on the personality. Uh, the lawyer chose a firm, Media Group, Psychology, Health and Rights, based in Almaty. Uh, media group then assigned the assessment to four psychiatrists and psychologists of the Kazakh National Medical University in Almaty, led by Fatima uh, Bajiarova. I will put the link on the show notes uh, to this article. So this is uh, the background of what's being talked about here. Uh, they These psychiatrists do um, some sort of assessment apparently. And they find that it does uh, do some of these things. So among the questions they were asked to look at were, is it possible for the phenomenon of dependency to emerge among Jehovah's Witness members from regular reading of the literature presented? Also, are psychological disorders or an exacerbation of psychiatric illness possible on studying the literature presented? And thirdly, what techniques of psychological influence are used in the religious literature and how is this expressed in the literature with examples? So they were asked to do this. Now, I've not been able to find this assessment. It's a 40-page assessment completed on the 1st of July 2021 and it claims to have found the study of these Jehovah's Witness publications leads to a change to some particularities of the personality, consciousness, subconsciousness and conduct including the modification of mood and in all the destruction of the personal construction and could become the cause of social maladjustment and neurotization of the personality so that's the the full quote um, so, a, sorry go on 
Um, just as a quick thing. So mm. are they purely using the material provided to say, based on this, if we had a case subject of this situation, if they were provided with this material, we would say it would create this effect? Or are they actually, like, is it entirely like, unrelated to an actual person or have they had actual case study people no, I think, I mean? uh, yeah i think they're doing this on the basis of their psychological training uh looking at the literature itself so if they were saying um, like person a that is already tended towards anxiety um if they were provided with this material what would that likely result in yeah, they're not, they're not doing an experiment here. They're not doing yeah. any kind of field research. They're just looking at the text and deciding if it does these things. Right. Uh, I think they're looking at that possibility of, you know, somebody already with some sort of psychological disorder. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I mentioned, there's two others, two other things they're looking at there. So I think the they're both looking for that and anybody else, I suppose. So someone that would be considered... Um, mentally fine, mentally yeah, without healthy. any recognised psychological yeah. disorders. Yeah, and how that could, how this material could, in fact, create, trigger, instill psychological issues with somebody, mental yeah. health problems. Yeah, that's right. So they found that it did. Now, um, as, as always, this is quite a difficult one to talk about because um, obviously it comes from lots of different places and positions so i was try to understand where are they coming from uh with with all of these claims and, and i think everybody's kind of got some uh some agenda here if you like so the article for in forum18.org um obviously this is a an organization that is on the lookout for uh miscarriages of justice and for things that uh or situations where religious beliefs are being denied um and i think amnesty international uses some of their um their reports to to inform what they're doing so this is a a group who is very concerned about religious freedoms and what they are saying in this article is that this media group who have done the assessment used for these four different people um they're quite scathing of the quality of the work here uh, so one of the things that they say is the claims in the media group's assessment often repeat verbatim claims in other expert analyses of jehovah's witnesses such as those conducted by the almaty branch of the justice ministry center of judicial expert analysis in june for a similar case against nurse Tan and so on so they've essentially plagiarizes the claim they have actually may use that term 63% um, of that analysis was found to have been plagiarized from a 2008 analysis produced in Russia um, where Jehovah's Witnesses have since been banned so obviously we know about the ban in Russia mm. and they're saying that this report is essentially re repeating verbatim from a different report which plagiarized this analysis produced in Russia um, they're concerned about one in particular of these um, these experts. So they they they're not very um, supportive of the report. It seems that the media group wasn't really a thing. It was just kind of created for the the, the purposes of this trial. Again, according to Forum 18. But again, remember that this is a website that is obviously supporting religious freedoms. Mm. Um, however um 
I think we we try to be fair and uh, you know we we want to, to question and be critical I suppose of, of of everything we read and say so um, I am uh, I, I suppose I am skeptical about the quality of this report I can't find it and um, if anybody if any of our listeners has access to that report um, I guess it wouldn't be in English but it might be but I, I could get it translated um, not yeah, the original the version yeah well no, not even that one but just the the report from the media group I, I can't find that report it may be somewhere on the on the internet but if if anybody knows where that is it where in the world was this it. media report made um yeah so nur sultan is the capital of kazakhstan so it's in the country of kazakhstan mm -hmm. um that this is happening so i guess i feel a bit like i'm not quite sure how how good that report is and anyway what is it how how would it how would you be able to demonstrate that now i think what technical ben asks is a brilliant question so um that's the the kind of history of it but technical ben uh says steve all sheep an actual academic study would be so interesting either by accidental repetition following the slave class or by design similar to scientology these things do seem to correlate at times i do wonder so technical Ben has seen this uh, this quote by Kimberly and let's be Pimo and says wouldn't it be great to have an academic study so maybe that's the most useful place to jump from properly um, and say right how would we actually do that mm -hmm. so what do you reckon shall we shall we kind of um, imagine that we were going to do like a, a research paper on that question whether Jehovah's Witnesses literature uses sort of psychological methods, however we want to describe it, to get people to do things, both mm -hmm. consciously and subconsciously. Um, how would we how would we prove that, or how would we demonstrate it? How would how would we find evidence for it? What do you reckon? Well, I guess step one is potentially outlining what you're going to look at because you can't just look at the entirety of yeah. they've got a lot of literature yeah um, and also you it would be it's very difficult because you need i would say the element that i was like mm, about with the previous one we were just talking about that that media group was that they're not i guess looking at the result with people um it's all i guess like um theoretical though i i think it is happening but I, but you know it, it is good to engage with the people do you know what i mean um yeah so that you, you're um you're criticizing there the kind of design of the piece of work yeah like which is, i think a, a rel you know is a, a, re a relevant criticism so yeah so when when technical men talks about the academic study i think um he might be sort of saying a scientific study. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong, Technical Ben, if you listen to this episode, um, let me know if I've got you wrong there. Um, because academic could mean what you what you just criticised, really, which is, you know, people looking over the text, doing some sort of textual analysis on it and identifying places where um, their experience and training demonstrates that they are doing something like underhand secret messages or something like that you could do that 
through a textual analysis. You could mm -hmm. also do it through um, people's stories, like a, a phenomenological study. Um, so you could do it that way. But I think, like I think what he's talking about is something a bit, yeah, ethnographic. These are all things that you could do in an more academic of like setting. A more of like a social study yeah. rather than just um, removed. I think obviously you need to look at the text and it's a great one to do that for with J-Dubs because everything is now online. Yes, you can access it, can't you? So you've um, got sources to pick apart and that's great. Absolutely. But I think you're missing an aspect without talking to the people because you mm. can kind of test your theory if you talk to the people, right? If you go, well, we think this, well, you could talk to people that have, you know, uh, people that have long-term mental health issues prior and then talk to them yeah. about, you know what I mean? Like you could just talk about how that affected their mental state, how it's different for that group of people to this group of people. Do you know what I mean? So would you, are you suggesting there then a sort of, study that would interview people mm -hmm. and you'd do some sort of discursive analysis of what people said mm -hmm. and see whether they were influenced by yeah. these um these ideas so you cross cross reference what people are saying with some mm -hmm. of the literature itself mm -hmm. yeah so preemptively i suppose what you do um what you do is you do the world's weirdest literature review because you'll be reviewing um, culty stuff mm. um, and then coming up with your... And also you'd review um, texts about this, like academic texts, and then you would come up with a theory, which in this case is um, JW literature... Make let's say that the theory is JW literature makes mental health worse. It's just yeah, really yeah, simple. Yeah. And then you talk to people to see if that's true or not. Yeah, and that the trick, the difficult bit would be in finding evidence to show that there was a correlation between what people were reading and mm -hmm. how people were feeling, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suppose the only thing I don't know, maybe you could go a bit neurosciencey you could do you could potentially um you know see which parts of the brain light up mm. when you read those bits of material back to That's them or have them read it and see mm. how that affects them because if they're you know the areas of the brain that react to stress and anxiety and yeah. fear yeah those areas might continue might still light up um that's a really good that's a really interesting idea actually so you could do that. Though obviously you'd have to go through a, a lot of ethics for that because you're basically being like, hi, I would like to see if I can trigger people by reading their previous cult <laughs> literature. Um, though it's not as bad as some things, you know, I think you could probably get that through. You could you could get it through, I think. Um, actually, it's quite interesting because, of course, Facebook got in trouble for doing something similar. Mm. Um, they did... Um, Obviously, one of the things that ethics requires is that the the people, the participants of the uh, study, know that they are being studied. And mm. Facebook didn't follow that. Um, they had some um, third party do some research to see if they put, you know, unhappy articles or posts on Facebook. Um, how did that affect people's mood? And I think they did that by getting people to fill out one of these, you know, fun um, 
psycho, um, psychometric tests mm. and getting people to do that because people love filling those things out. Yeah. Um, it's easy to get people to do that, but they, they manipulated people's feeds to see whether by getting lots of unhappy things and whether that affected their moods. A really interesting experiment, mm. but of course completely unethical because they didn't tell people they were doing it. Really? Um, but the problem, of course, might be if you tell people, then that might affect the experiment, which is always one of the difficulties uh, when mm. it comes to setting up ethical experiments. Um, but get, we're getting off piece a bit here. So but I um, think that would be quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and then what you'd have to do is pick different groups of people to do this with. So people that had pre-existing mental health conditions or tendencies bio in mind i'm not saying how you know these people i'm just yeah. saying that as a statement but people with tendencies towards mental health illness or um joined in adulthood and they already had them because obviously when you're a child it's more difficult but to know that um, and then people that have no had no tendencies towards mental health illness pre previously mm. but did once in the j-dubs mm. um and then you'd see if how their responses were and if they're the same or different yeah. um and and i suppose that would show you yeah if, if, if um the differences between the baselines yeah I, I mean, I think you could actually do something quite interesting. I was trying to think about this um, before we did the recording. And I mean, what you're talking about here, I think, is a, is a kind of design where you would, you would interview people and you would find out from those interviews how people are feeling. Mm -hmm. um, I think you could also do something uh, a bit more scientific, if you like, by setting up an experiment. Because we're not only talking about mental health here, although we... we it is relevant, of course, but it's also um, things that fall short of and how of you approach things. Health. You're like the quote unquote brainwashing, exactly. whatever word you want to use. So, like, yeah. if you think based on the literature provided, a person that's been indoctrinated in this way would respond in this way, right? So, if you're like people that have been indoctrinated in JW, um, like it weighs via yeah. this literature would respond like this so if it's um i don't know if it's like something to do with halloween or something i don't mm. know and it's like because of this literature they would respond like this and then you see if they do respond like that or but not the, your problem there um would be a possible confounding variable there might be that you're assuming it's the literature but it might not be the literature it might be the community it might be the talks from the platform so this is very specifically saying it's the literature that's doing mm. it so your experiment or your study would have to demonstrate that it is the literature that's doing it i mean i i personally believe and that's a obviously mm -hmm. not a scientific word but i personally would suggest that it's a combination of literature and the association always, and everything it's else be, isn't it? yeah you know? but but what about this okay so let's say you but also uh, just before you start would you say one thing no <laughs> no you need to say would you tell people what you mean when you say confounding variable because you're using terms that not everybody's going to understand okay so a confounding variable is something that gets in the way of your experiment or um or study mm -hmm. so it's just like something else that's affecting it that's mm -hmm isn't 
actually what you're studying so mm -hmm. it could it could you could end up seeing a, a result that you expected but it's not the thing you thought it was that's causing it it's something mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that's all i meant by okay. a confounding okay. variable If you're enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support it, you can do so in a few different ways. Firstly, leaving a rating or a review really helps get the podcast noticed. So please, if you can, give a review on whatever type of application you're listening to. You can also become a patron for just £1 or $1.50 a month. And there's only one tier. And finally, please tell people about the show. We know that word of mouth is a really important way of people finding out about what should I think about. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the discussion. So if you got a bunch of people, so you'd have to get quite a few. Let's say you got 100 people and you split those into two groups and you said right and for a start let's let's not say they're not they're not jehovah's witnesses um and you got one group to read a section of a watchtower or something that talked about armageddon being just around the corner and talking about all the signs of the last days and that you know god was going to destroy the wicked and it's all happening it's going to happen soon um, you wouldn't have to work hard to find that sort of literature. It's the sort of thing that Jehovah's Witnesses have been saying for a very, very long time, ironically. Mm. Um, so you get one group to read that, and you get another group to read another bit of Jehovah's Witness literature. Let's say, I don't know, How Loving the Congregation is, something like that. So just a very uh, positive, upbeat message. So you get one half reading Armageddon stuff, one, one half reading just something else. Or perhaps something neutral, actually not not upbuilding, not happy, just just very boringly neutral because you don't again you don't want to confound your experiment. You're only interested in in this first one. So there, there are two conditions: Armageddon, just nothing boring. Uh, JW speak, and then after you after they've read that, maybe um, you could get them to do a couple of things. So you might get them to do a a kind of a mental health questionnaire or something so you know how about their mood or um it could go deeper than that into proper mental health questionnaire um or as i say it could just be about mood that that might be an easy one to uh to analyze and then you could see whether the reading of the armageddon stuff had an effect on people's or you could see it would suggest um, that maybe reading Armageddon stuff had a detrimental effect on people's mood. If it's purely about the literature yeah. and nothing else, could you even get non-JWs just to read the literature? That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Non-JWs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, just normal 
I, I think you would have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just muggles. Um, mm. you'd, you'd have to do that because otherwise, this confounding element comes in again. You don't know. These people have been Jehovah's Witnesses have been mm -hmm. taught this stuff through lots of medium. We're only interested in in the literature for this particular experiment. Mm -hmm. um, if it's that that we're looking at, um, you could do others, obviously about other things. But this was this is about literature. So yeah, absolutely, would have to be non J dubs, um, and. The other thing that I was thinking you could do is, as well as a questionnaire about mood or mental health even, um, you could get people to then think about some long-term commitments. Let's say you were asking people to decide whether to invest money that was only going to come to fruition in 10 years' time, mm -hmm. so a 10-year payback term. You could even ask people to you know you've got three choices would you invest in a 10-year five-year one-year scheme all the same sort of risk um but the 10-year one much higher dividends mm -hmm. uh the, the one-year one very low dividends and it'd be interesting to see whether if people had read all that stuff about armageddon whether it had a, an unconscious effect because mm -hmm. even if they didn't believe it so another thing you might do is a questionnaire to ask people whether they believe this was true or not did they believe armageddon was coming mm -hmm. um i guess most people who are not Je jehovah's witnesses would probably say no mm -hmm. um but you might be able to spot an unconscious effect where p people who are in the armageddon condition uh didn't have as many long-term investments or didn't didn't plump for that one as as much as the others mm. so you'd have to analyze that statistically but you could separate all those through the statistical analysis that you do on those sorts of things um and i think that would be really interesting mm. yeah it would so i think that that if you if you found so the way that um, a scientific experiment works is that you have a, a hypothesis and the hypothesis could be that um, Jehovah's Witness literature affects people at a conscious and an unconscious level um, and you could also have another hypothesis that said something like that you know it negatively affects people's mood and it it affects people's behavior so you can have all these you can have more than one hypothesis in a in an experiment um and i think that would be really fascinating now i suppose one of the questions that i um i guess would then crop up is what are we actually saying though because you could argue that any bit of uh reading could influence somebody so how would we kind of differentiate it from just the everyday influence that we expect and something that's a bit more damaging mm. so like what could we do that's more about yeah long more serious effects so saying? i guess if we think about things like um so i wanted to talk about nlp in the second half of this uh this chat because mm. that's kind of a subject on its own isn't it and i think we we should talk about neuro-linguistic programming which is mentioned in that quote nlp mm. um because it's, it's something that's cropped up a few times in our discussions and it it kind of it's one of those things that in self-help groups and self-help books and so on is often based upon this thing called nlp so if you're a, 
a lever of a group like Jehovah's Witnesses or others, you may well get into self-development because obviously you need to get yourself back into some sort of work or, you know, you want to just develop yourself into something different. Um, and NLP is talked about a lot in that. So I want to get onto that because um, it's an interesting subject all on its own. But yeah, what 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 are we saying? Because the, the, the thing is that we know that psychological... We know that behavior can be affected by what people say. So there was this thing in the UK, I'm not sure if it's still going, but it, it got called the uh, the nudge unit um, in the UK government. Um, mm -hmm. I think they call it the behavioral insights team. That's right, the behavioral insights team. Um, and, you know, it's you start to sound like a bit of a... Um, I suppose you know suspicious conspiracist but no this was actually um a thing and it's been well documented well documented there are now. books about it I'm, I'm not sure if it's gone i think it's probably morphed into something slightly different but basically what it was was a a unit in the government that was thinking about how we message things and how we get people to do stuff like pay their taxes on time or um obey laws on you know, various different things <laughs> say again COVID. Well, what's them. interesting is I I think that if the Behavioural Insights team were active during the COVID um, mm. time, then they should be sacked because I think that the messaging that was, uh, it was used... It was constantly was conflicting. Terrible, yeah. Mm. Um, and I can understand why, you know, a lot of people... Well, the messaging now is quite clear. If you're rich, do as you like. And um, if, you, if, you, if you don't have money, then, yeah, exactly. Have parties and wine and cheese and call it a meeting. <laughs> we had a lovely business meeting for Aidan's birthday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so anyway, let's not get too yeah. much into that. But the, the nudge unit, as it used to be called, um, was like the, the, working on some of the research that's been done around the world on how you message things for instance if you tell people that lots of people are doing this you know if you told people lots lots everybody 99% uh, of people fill their tax return in on time if you just said that thing in the letter um, then you found that more people filled their tax return in on time so just by saying little things like that you could influence people's behavior now marketing people have known this sort of stuff for years haven't they well, yeah. um, i mean it is a it Very is an art stuff. form absolutely you know where you position things in the supermarket and um, the, the little what messages smells you see. come out you the, the smell in the supermarket the smell that's right yeah have uh, the bakery mm -hmm. um even if they're not baking bread have that smell piped out into the mm -hmm. into the shop so it smells lovely yeah exactly so there's lots of psychological nudges that organizations do employ um now the question is are jehovah's witnesses doing that sort of stuff which is, I would suggest, um, in itself, you could question the ethics of it. Actually, you could, mm. you could start to question that. I mean, I, I know, I notice it personally, and I, I do feel a, a real temptation to do exactly what they don't want me to do. You know, that's because you're um, <laughs> precocious. <laughs> precocious. That's the wrong word. No, like you know, you are, and like I don't know, I'm very like. Or is it contemptuous, maybe? No, I think it does begin with C, the word you're looking for. Um, contrarian, is that what That's the one, contrarian. contrarian. <laughs> you're a contrarian. Yes, exactly yeah. so. Maybe. Um, but yeah, like like when YouTube wants you to do 
wants you to tick which one of these do you do you know so mm -hmm. they're trying to get data from you i always tick something i don't like or i just randomly close my eyes and and tick something i just um, don't do anything just, just to, skip it but i like to to mess up their their data unfortunately dad they've got enough data on you <laughs> they know a lot about you already i like to fool just them. by our phones being near each other for a prolonged amount of time they'll start giving us ads that they think you might be interested in to buy something for me really? and vice versa yeah because right yeah, they, they, yeah so it's like oh they've you. been around so you'd been looking at knives and then i started getting adverts for knives <laughs> Yeah, because we've been near each other. I think kitchen knives we're talking here, Selena. We're just to no throwing of... knives. <laughs> uh, yes, but anyway, um, back onto topic. So yes, so I think that's a, that's a good question. But I still think it's a, a really interesting experiment that you, you could do, um, and I would suggest you know telling people that they're going to die in a, at Armageddon in a fireball um, is a message that you could quite legitimately say is um, is damaging or at least potentially damaging. unless there's a small nudge i would say unless what? <laughs> less than a small uh, more sorry than a, more than a small than nudge. A nudge yeah it's mm -hmm. and it's not benign is it the the outcome the encouraging is, you to do your taxes yeah, is a lot less like it is or you know put your bin out on time it's mm -hmm. a bit different to making you fear that you're going to be destroyed at armageddon yeah so yeah i think you could argue that that even on its own merits that is a damaging message that you wouldn't really want people to um to have in their unconscious especially children especially children yeah so that's an experiment so technical ben uh, that's my suggestion um about what we could do as a scientific study and a rigorous one um now i'm not a member of, of any academic institution so i'm not really able to do that experiment so if anybody listening is and they think oh that's a good idea um Begin. firstly do it and secondly please can i be involved yeah yeah <laughs> please can i help um if i ever do get this phd thing underway then um i'll keep that in mind as, as one of the uh, pieces you of should get onto some sort of. You should get the neuroscience bit in, though. I think that's quite cool. I like that idea. What? So put somebody in a in a, a scanner yeah. mm -hmm. and um, see which bits of the brain. Are. So yeah, if the amygdala you know is lighting yeah. up like crazy, then... you know what else as well? They're starting. So as I know from when I went to my partner's graduation, when they were talking about the medical physics that they do, so they did yeah. the. You know the scanners that yeah. can see the brain. They, it was uh, Nottingham. They came up with that, but they're also now coming up with ones where you can walk around and wear it, oh, which is obviously good for children. So much better. But obviously, yeah. as as adults, FM, you... fMRI scanners. You have yeah. to lie in a completely still mm -hmm. position, but you? not with these new ones yeah. that they've started. That there's actually oh, being rolled out, and they're using them in places like Addenbrooke's and in the Canada. Uh, in the Canadian like version of that, they've got them there, and um, yeah, you can walk around wearing it. Mm. And obviously, again, this is really good for children because putting them in a big, scary, yeah. must be in completely still thing is not great. But for in terms of experimental applications, that would be really good because you could actually get people doing things that's and right. seeing their results based on that. So that's pretty cool. Mm. So they could, you could have people doing the knocking on doors. 
<laughs> and just you know you could simulate it but just to see what there is the psychological like what's lighting up in the brain that's really interesting i mean um neuroscience has its own issues with translating what you're seeing on a mm -hmm. on an image to actual behavior and the uh, the experience of that of, of what's happening yeah but so still, you'll, you'll have to I do think, multiple things to go but i think yeah, that that's right. still quite cool yeah, and you was. could I mean, you could more easily have people do things like just reading the content. You can have people laying down in the machines and you can put stuff on the screens, can't you, for people to see. Yeah, um, that's right. But stuff like that would be cool, you know. It really would. No, so that that's definitely another element mm -hmm. of the experiment that that you could do. Yeah, I really like this. This is this is definitely mm -hmm. a, a goer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if if um if anybody's interested in picking this up, then um yeah. Brilliant. Um, I'd love to be involved. <laughs> we uh, tell you, you know what we should do from our end as people mm -hmm. that this is what we've got more, um, I guess, expertise in of the neuroscience. I was just thinking about the big headsets and that makes me think of VR. We should yeah. make a VR like spooky experience where it's J-Dub themed, <laughs> but we'll make it into like an actual like scary, scary thing. And then people that don't know about J-Dub, so just think, oh, that was really spooky. And then at the end, you just go, it was all based on real things. There's a lot you can do with VR. Um, yeah. If any of our listeners are into VR, actually, I meant to say this before. Um, I've been toying with the idea of doing a special VR episode of the podcast um, and actually sort of meeting mm -hmm. people in virtual reality um, to do a, a live kind of podcast episode. Scary. We'll see um, our faces. Well, not Too our close. VR faces, um, okay, just okay. just our um, what they call avatars. Right. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of cool, but I, obviously I don't know how many people have that technology at home. Um, but if you've got an Oculus Quest or something like that, mm -hmm. that would be kind of cool. Okay. So let us know if you're if you're up for that. Let us know, and if there's you more than quest, sort of yeah. more than two people, then then we we might have a go. Oh. Um, okay, so we I think that was really interesting. We've come up with a, a good. Couple of good ideas there. Let's move on to this because the, the references made here to NLP, neuro linguistic programming, and I wanted to talk about this for some time, and now seems a good time to talk about it. So, what do you know about NLP, Celine? Well, I thought it was more of like a business thing that, that is a bit out of fashion now but I'd, i don't really know a lot about it i mean from if you break it down neuro-linguistic programming it sounds quite weird i'm not gonna lie so it feels a bit orwellian doesn't it neuro-linguistic programming um but so i presume it is tactical language use to get a certain desired effect um that's a really interesting way of describing something um whether it's neuro-linguistic programming no. i don't know but i like that say that That's, again um certain tactical language use to get yeah. a desired effect that's brilliant i really like that um yeah so neuro-linguistic programming was something that was kind of invented around the 70s 1975 uh, by two guys richard bandler and john grinder um and they authored a book co-authored a book called the structure of magic uh, and i'm taking this information from a number of places i'll put the links on um, now this is a paper that i read when i was doing my masters and i was kind of interested because i have 
had a little bit of NLP training, so so I need to just kind of come clean with that. Um, Do going, you believe that you on board anymore? I'm a bit of a um, what's the words? I'm a bit skeptical, but then I am quite skeptical of Do you most think things. is it evil? <laughs> I, I don't no. I mean, I think. So let's 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 define it. Let's define it first before we go on to whether it's evil or not. No, Um, it would just decide straight away. so No context. it's it's a kind of I think it's a, a popularization of a number of psychological ideas and put together into a kind of toolkit of uh, of of techniques and ways to improve yourself and. possibly influence other people so that's why it's used in business so the idea that you could so I, I i went on a coaching course this is going back to something like 2008 i think it was i went on a coaching course it was actually sponsored through the university of the west of england and the tutor was a nlp expert and a nlp practitioner or whatever and she was also a coach so they gave us some of the sort of techniques around how to use NLP in coaching. Um, so business coaching, executive coaching, these sorts of things is where you help people to um, find new, better ways of doing things by using questions and getting them to think through the options they've got and the best ways of achieving their goals. So it's about setting goals. It's about thinking about the options and how to achieve the, the goals that they want to achieve and the idea of NLP or one of the ideas is that uh, we can kind of program ourselves if you like or we can make ourselves or avoid some of those common traps that we fall into by thinking about things differently and you know there's all sorts of little tools in there um, that help us to do that now The, the I think that the bit that scares people partly is the name neuro linguistic programming and The word programming is a, yeah that's it's a bad marketing choice, if let's say. yeah so um, here's what this paper by Gareth Rodriguez Davis from the University of Glamorgan here's how he kind of um, explains it he says the term neurolinguistic programming conjures up an air of scientific respectability yet its very name is wholly inappropriate o'connor and seymour cited in skinner and croft explain why this particular nomenclature was used neuro refers to neurology our thinking patterns linguistic language how we use it and how we are influenced by it and program programming refers to the patterns of our behavior and the goals we set Now, he disagrees with this entirely. He says, firstly, our thinking patterns should be referred or should be defined as cognition, not neuro. Use of the latter word is effectively fraudulent since NLP offers no explanation at a neuronal level. And it could be argued that its use fallaciously feeds into the notion of scientific credibility. Linguistic, again, makes associations with the academically credible field of linguistics. And how does programming equate to the patterns of our behavior and the goals we set? Aren't these behaviors and thought processes? Indeed, programming actually implies a lack of conscious thought processes. And I think that's the bit that scares people. It's the idea that somebody might have this secret way of secretly programming you or me or somebody into doing something 
that is not in their interest or, mm. or you know, anything at all. Um, and I think that's that's the bit that is is slightly it scary. It sounds insidious. It does, yeah. Um, I think the problem is is that NLP itself isn't really very well defined. It isn't a science. Um, if you look on the Wikipedia article, the first words are it is a pseudo-scientific discipline. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, obviously Wikipedia is just Wikipedia. That's whoever it is that edited that. That's their opinion. But I think increasingly it, it it's become more problematic. So when I when I went on that, let's let's be honest, it was a three day course, I think it was. Mm. So, you know, um, I'm not going to learn mind control techniques in, in a three day course um, if it were such a thing. But I think during that time in the 2000s, it became really, really popular. And even universities were doing courses on it. Um, the Institute of Leadership and Management in the UK did a lot of NLP stuff. And um, it had a lot of credibility because it was kind of, I don't know, it's kind of sexy and promises a lot. This is another one of those areas that worries me a little bit. Remember when we talked about these transformational gurus, a lot of them use or claim to use NLP. So it makes a lot of claims about what you can do and what it can do for you and mm. what you'd be able to do in influencing other people and so on. Um, and I think, again, if you're making those claims, where's the evidence? And that's where NLP falls down because there's very little, if any, proper scientific studies about NLP, mm. whether it actually you know is a thing or not and what makes it more difficult is that it's a very slippery concept because it kind of means whatever you want it to mean um and so when it comes to again operationalizing thinking about how you would put that into a, an experiment or some sort of study it's kind of difficult because it's hard to know what is it you're actually talking about um so i do have some concerns more actually about this the idea that it is some sort of powerful tool i think that's the thing that worries me more is that people go away thinking that neurolinguistic programming is a some sort of hard science that is uh that powerful people can use to manipulate us um and i i don't see it that way because i just don't think it is robust enough for that mm. do governments do powerful people use psychological methods yeah, we've just talked about the nudge unit, the behavioural insights team. I mean, that's what that is, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, do do we get manipulated by advertisers? Absolutely. Do cults manipulate people? Yeah. So things like the attachment um, theory that Alexandra Stein talks about. So attachment theory is a scientific theory that has been rigorously um, demonstrated that's not to say that everybody agrees with everything around that, but it's been, you know, it is it is a rigorously explored field, whereas NLP isn't. It's kind of a, um, a catch-all term for a whole bunch of things. It is used in business, but it has been used in therapy, although I don't see that around much these days. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I worry a little bit about that because, you know, it's not really a... a a therapeutic methodology as far as as far as i understand it um but again i'm not a i'm not a therapist or a clinical psychologist so i always have to 
have to say that. So mm -hmm. yeah, does that is that a kind of useful? Let, so less scary, more just like concerning, concerning, and not necessarily a cult in itself, but not great. <laughs> I, I think I think the ideas behind it can be can be used um, in a kind of culty way. Um, I think some of these NLP groups themselves can feel quite culty. You know, there's groups that you feel are could easily slip into a proper cult, mm. but they're probably not quite there yet. You know what I mean? So one of the um, one of the most common there's a couple of common things in NLP. One is that the map is not the territory um, is a kind of saying. Um, and again, you know, this is a, a a trope that is could easily become used as a as a way to as a thought stopping technique, essentially, essentially. But chariots uh, on the move. It chariots on the move, exactly, yeah. The map is not the territory. But what they're trying to say with that is that um, our perception of, of the world isn't necessarily an accurate representation of the world itself, or it isn't the world itself. It's just our map of it. It's our, it's our way we represent it. Now, I have no problem with that, but all that is is everything, you know, we've talked about many times about sense-making um it's constructivism essentially so the idea that we as human beings construct our reality based upon inputs and we try to make sense of what we're seeing and therefore we tell a story about it and so on and so on so it's not that's not really an nlp thing that's a psychology thing that nlp has stolen from psychology and in fact i think that's actually what is happening with nlp a lot it's basically just taking things that were out there already and packaging them into mm. a marketable, uh, a, a marketable sellable. friendly sellable yeah product and it's been very very successful um and yeah of course if you want to do a psychology degree you'd need to spend three years doing it if you want to become an nlp master practitioner um you know three days and you've got the certificate you know and, mm. and so you i think you have to ask the question how how qualified are a lot of these people that, that have this Why do they want grandiose it? title? You know? yeah. <laughs> well, it became quite useful to have on your CV, you know, oh, he's, he's, he's an NLP practitioner or master or whatever. Um, but he's yeah. He's the grand <laughs> <laughs> oh, It just feels all a bit silly, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, the other one that's quite common is uh, the logical levels or neurological levels. And again, that's a really bad use of the word neurological because I just love neuro it. neurology is to do with the nerves and the, the connections um, in, in your nervous system. I guess they're just like, we're just making connections, bro. You know? <laughs> um, and the idea is that you have various different levels of influence. So, you know, you can change the environment that might influence you or others. Um, you can operate at the level of beliefs, which is a, a deeper level. So, you know, you, you can operate at the level of identity, which is a deeper level still and so on. But this is kind of, again, this is pop psychology, really. And um, it's hard to describe it in any kind of scientific way. But because of the name, neuro-linguistic programming, it gives you the impression that this is some, you know, really sophisticated science um, so in the article that we quoted right at the beginning where they said that NLP was being used, I personally um, don't, you know, that doesn't kind of think, oh, that doesn't light any red lights. It just makes me think um, what sort of psychologists were these who then used that 
um, um. as a means to discredit the literature because I don't know any psychologist that would kind of use that phrase to say that this is dangerous because it's using neuro-linguistic programming so that that for me makes the whole thing lack a bit of credibility mm. um, however I just want to be absolutely clear if I don't want you know make people misunderstand me um, I do think that the literature is incredibly damaging um, is it psychologically damaging absolutely I think it is mm. um, do you need hidden messages in that um i'd be interested to see what those hidden messages are if somebody thinks there's some hidden messages in the the articles in the magazines yeah. in the literature. i think they're in, they're incredibly and uncomfortably explicit with what they're saying is the that's thing that's my like, view they're yeah. like you will you you have blood on your hands you are yeah. a failure if you don't do this do you know what i mean it's yeah. like, like they're in they're that horrible kind of critiquing parent that like it's like having a narcissistic parent except it's your entire world you know yeah so absolutely. And, and they'll tell you what they think and you'll get you'll reap the reper repercussions of it as well so yeah absolutely i think they are very explicit um do they use underhand tactics oh of course of you course, know yeah. so and and do they uh, or do small they use things like making yeah. yeah of course they do and small things like making comments about so, so there's like explicit things about how to be a woman and then there's small comments about oh we have red nail polish oh okay. mm. it's a bit much isn't it do you know what i mean like you know yeah. do that as well but it's as well not only yeah i think so um absolutely yeah i mean the language um so i do think they use language in in very again it's loaded loaded language as as lifton talked about mm. so the uh language yes of course um women should be chaste and submissive and um you know you get other words then that that replace that so a, a good spiritual wife um in itself means something but actually for jehovah's witnesses they know what else that means it means that you you do mm. what you're told and you're dressed nicely and however nicely is defined but it's mm. defined by the watchtower um or the organization and um so yeah so yeah of course language is used loaded language is used um it's very damaging um so yeah i think i think all those things are probably well certainly in my view they're true but we would need to do the research to demonstrate it in a scientific setting but i i think you know there's lots of good evidence to suggest that it is damaging but do i think they're using neurolinguistic neurolinguistic programming to do it um i think that's unlikely and it seems like that report isn't particularly uh credible so i guess where, where i'm coming from is i want to use credible ways to demonstrate where yeah. jws are doing things so basically we think yeah sound you know sounds interesting it's a good sort of starting point but let's let's do more yeah yeah cool. um okay. so yeah we, we've kind of uh, meandered a bit um on this we, we started talking about this this particular article or the tweet that that referred to it and um i really like this idea that we came up with for the experiment mm. that would be really interesting i'm going to think about that some more mm. um and then we we came on to nlp and now i just want to say you know i know some of our previous guests have talked about nlp really helping them um and i don't you know i don't want to undermine that in any way what because again it's a way of thinking fine, that might yeah. really help people so great you know that's that's brilliant um 
who am I to say that that's a problem? Where I do worry is is when there's claims made about it that, mm. that lack evidence for it. So that's that's my only area of, of warning. There we go. I, I think it was nice. It was a chill episode. We've had some heavier stuff talked yeah. about recently. So it's nice to sometimes have a chatty one. I think that's why I like podcasts as well. I feel like I'm kind of just earwigging on a conversation, which is quite nice. Yeah, it is nice. I hope. Well, I hope um, that's been interesting. And, um, and that's instance. how you should think, listeners. That's what. That's just me telling you, isn't it? You're doing a bit of NLP in there. Yeah, there so, you go. Actually. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Um, okay. Just before you go, ooh, um, leave a review. <laughs> oh, leave I see. a review. Don't Halloween, forget yeah. to leave a review. <laughs> I'm just waving my hands there as well to uh, try to and it. put that suggestion into your mind. Yes. Leave a review. Only Leave a good review. one. Though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, do what Please. you want. I don't care if it's bad or good. It all uh, puts stuff in the algorithm. No, you can just, I don't you know why you say that. We only want good reviews. Nobody mm. wants bad reviews. Um, Neutral. It's the fine, other thing, the other thing right. I wanted to say is, folks, um, we've just had our latest Zoom call with our patrons, which is so lovely. They are so lovely people. We love our patrons. Um, I really enjoyed doing those little uh, chats. chats. Um, and all it costs is a pound or a dollar fifty a month to be a patron. Now, what do you get for that? Well, the answer is not very much. <laughs> but it is only a dollar And sometimes 50. it comes out early. Yeah, I try to do... I try to send an early episode, so that generally comes out on a Wednesday or Thursday to the patrons first, so they generally get the, the episode a bit early. Um, sometimes I get behind, so I can't guarantee it every time, but I normally do it a bit early. Um, every now and again, there's a bit of bonus content as well, um, and we have the Zoom chat now, which we've done three of them mm -hmm. now, and they tend to be roughly about once a month. Um, and that's great fun to just yeah. we just chat about all sorts of things. So if you want to do that, um, I would say as well though, if if we get more patrons, then um, you know I'll definitely do more stuff. Um, so in some respects, it's about supply and demand. So mm. more patrons, it feels like oh, let's do something specifically for for the patrons. So yeah, there's definitely potential to do other things. Um, so yeah, join us. Nice. It'd be great. All right, Thanks. well, I think that's all the stuff having been said. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. See mm -hmm. you next time. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production.